Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, Book 1, Chapter 22, A View of Man's Misery. Wretched you needs must be, wherever you are and wherever you turn, unless you turn to God. Why make all this to do about thwarted wishes and blighted hopes? Was there ever a man that got his own way all the time? Of course not. Neither you nor I, nor anybody else in the world. Everybody has some troubles, some difficulties to put up with. Kings and popes like the rest of us. And who comes off best? The man who can stand up to a certain amount of suffering for the love of God. Plenty of people can't. Weak, flabby natures that are always complaining. Look at so-and-so. What a good time he has. How rich, how important he is. What influence and rank he enjoys. But in reality, if you take one look at the prizes of heaven, you will see that all these earthly ones count for nothing. If anything, it is a weight on our minds, the precarious possession of them, a constant source of anxiety and alarm. Man's happiness doesn't consist in having more earthly possessions than he knows what to do with. A moderate fortune is all he needs. A life of wretchedness, that's what our life on earth is. The higher a man's spiritual aims, the more distasteful does our present life appear to him. He sees more clearly, feels more deeply, the disabilities of our fallen nature. He must eat and drink, sleep and wake, labor and rest. All these natural needs have their claim on him. And it makes a devout soul feel wretched and harassed. Why can't he be clear of it all, beyond the reach of sin? Do you doubt that bodily needs are a heavy burden to the spiritual man? Then why does the sacred author pray so earnestly to be delivered from them. Lord, deliver me from all my needs. But it will go hard with the people who don't realize their own wretchedness. Harder still with those who are in love with this wretched, perishable life. There are people who so cling to it, even when they can scarcely support it by hard work or on charity that they would never give the kingdom of God a thought if they had the chance of living here endlessly. Minds without sense, hearts without faith, so deeply rooted in the earth's soil, they have no appetite but for material things. Alas, when their end comes, these people will be wretched still, 
Then they will begin to realize how worthless and how unreal were the things they loved on earth. Whereas God's saints and all that were true friends of Christ have always been indifferent to what glorified and gratified nature, to the hopes that bloomed so fair on earth. All their hope, all the set of their minds, aspired to the joys that are eternal. Upward it went, the whole longing of their hearts to reach the abiding things, the things that are not seen, there should be no love of things seen to drag them down to the depths. No need, brother, to lose heart about your spiritual progress. Time and opportunity are still yours. Why postpone your good resolutions? Up with you and set about it this instant. Tell yourself, now is the time for action. This is zero hour, just the right moment for making something better of my life. But you're feeling low and finding things difficult? Why, that is the very opportunity you want to win your spurs. Of course, you must pass through fire and water before you can reach the cool shade. Put constraint on yourself or never a fault will you overcome. This body of ours is a weak instrument. So long as we carry it about with us, we have not said goodbye to sin. And we have not said goodbye to fatigue and unhappiness either. All very well to wish we could be eased of our wretchedness. But there it is. By sinning, we have lost our innocence and all true happiness with it. Patience, then, patience. We must wait for God's mercy to relieve us. Wait till the curse is lifted and our mortal nature is swallowed up in life. What a feeble thing is this human nature of ours, always ready to slip downhill. The sin you commit today is the same sin you mentioned yesterday in confession. An hour has gone by, and those resolutions about avoiding it might just as well have not been made. Haven't we good reason to feel ashamed? Can we ever entertain a good opinion of ourselves, weak and wavering creatures as we are? A moment's carelessness, and we have lost ground. The ground grace had won for us after such long, such painful struggles. So early in the day, and already we are taking it easy. What state shall we be left in at the day's end? Heaven help us if we propose to turn in and take a rest as if all were quiet and safe. When our life doesn't, even now, show a single trace of genuine holiness. 
it would do us no harm at all if we could go back to the innocent days of our novitiate and start training for perfection all over again. In that way, at least, we might hope to mend our ways for the future and make more advance than we do at present in the ways of the Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle God of youth, apostle of Rome, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Notice how this chapter stresses the value that our faults and failings can have for us. He says, don't we have reason to feel ashamed? Why does he say that? He says, because... We went to confession today. We made resolutions not to do something. Then we do it again. The very thing we resolved, we were so sorry for. We fall into it again as though we hadn't even made the resolutions. And this is the condition of every single human being when they really begin to know what they are. And if we don't think that's our condition, if we think this is not a description of our state, then we don't really know ourselves. If we think that I can make a resolution and I will keep it and that's it, well, then we don't have sufficient self-knowledge or we haven't faced enough difficulties yet. Because what Thomas Akempis is saying in this chapter is that all of us are in this state, if left to ourselves. And therefore, because we're so weak and wavering, we really shouldn't have such a high view of ourselves. We shouldn't have some great opinion of ourselves as though we were saints on our own. No, we are so careless at times, so careless. Now, does that mean we should be beating up ourselves about this? No. Why? Because this is the misery of our current state. In a way, it's not our fault that we're fallen human beings, that we suffer illness and sickness that we have fatigue, that we have so many bodily needs, so many cravings. Why is it not our fault? Because we didn't choose to be created. We didn't choose for our first parents to rebel. Now it's true, in Adam all have sinned in the sense that he lost for us that original grace, that original holiness, that original justice in which there was perfect harmony. 
but that's been lost and now we inherit a fallen human nature, a wounded human nature, and that's our state. And the Lord is trying to lead us to a real ascent to that situation. The Lord wants each of us to make real to ourselves based on actual experience that I, that you, are a fallen human being, a banished child of Eve who is in exile, and that this world is not all there is, and that our current state in our situation cannot be the lasting condition of our life. And so when we go through trials, when we make mistakes, when our resolutions fail, is that bad? Well, yes, it's bad. But the value is if we will learn from these just what our condition is. And then, once we realize that with the help of God's grace, we can beg him to give us the strength not to give up. Not to try to take our rest here. The point of this chapter is that this life is not heaven. This life is not for resting, for taking it easy, to just being safe and sound and quiet. No, he says he wishes he could go back to his novitiate, that is the beginning of his life as a monk, when everything was very strict and everything was fresh, the kind of honeymoon period of his of his religious life. He would love to go back there. Why? Because he wants to train himself for perfection. He wants to train himself in spiritual progress. But let us take heart, he says. Let us not lose heart, brother, he says. Why? Because if you're listening to this, it doesn't really matter what's happened in the past. It doesn't really matter if you haven't made, if I haven't made much spiritual progress. Because if you're listening to this, then time and opportunity are still yours. They're still ours. Up with you, he says. Up with you. Now is the time of action. Lord, this is Holy Week. Today is Palm Sunday. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And the Lord has allowed us to fall into the faults we have done. Why? So that we might come back to him with great contrition. We might learn all kinds of lessons. And in the end, he can bring good out of evil. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.